The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. Just a quick break to recommend our recent sponsor's Book of the Month. Book of the Month makes reading better by offering members a few new book selections each month to help you cut through the noise, save time, and make it easier to decide what to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and picks five to seven of the best new books for you to choose from. All of these books are good, so you really can't go wrong. Book of the Month helps readers like you and I find books that we wouldn't normally discover on our own. The cool part is selections largely focus on new and upcoming authors in multiple genres. Book of the Month also recently launched curated audiobooks, so members can get a hardcover or an audiobook each month, which you can then download and listen to right in the app. This month, I chose A Little Supernatural Fair in Murder Road by New York Times bestselling author Simone St. James. Described as the story of a young couple that find themselves haunted by a string of gruesome murders committed along an old deserted road in this terrifying new novel. Just go to bookofthemonth.com to pick your first book and join Book of the Month. That's bookofthemonth.com. And for a limited time, you can join and get that first book for just $9.99 with the code CHIRP. That's C-H-I-R-P. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com podcast. I also meditate because that really helps with mental focus. It helps to turn down the volume on that inner critic. You know, it's like a drill instructor saying, you know, you maggot, you can't do this. And, you know, everybody has that voice. And sometimes it's the voice of your mean grandmother or sometimes it's your drill instructor. or I I don't know. It's your priest who, you know, thinks you're sinful or whatever, whatever, whatever (laughs) form that voice takes. Right. (laughs) Sure. Greetings, scribes, and welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your grateful host, Kelton Reed, sending you positivity, productivity, and prosperity per usual. I just want to kick off the show by saying thank you for sticking with us through these uncertain times of the pandemic. I have some big guests and some big news on the horizon for the pod, so definitely stay tuned. This week, best-selling novelist Nick Petrie spoke with me about keeping your sanity as a writer, the importance of boredom for creativity, and how to sustain a lauded thriller series. Nick's the award-winning author of the critically acclaimed Peter Ash series. His debut novel, The Drifter, won the ITW Thriller and Barry Awards and was nominated for the Edgar Anthony and Hammett Awards as well. He's won a 2016 Literary Award from the Wisconsin Library Association, was named one of Apple's 10 Writers to Read in 2017, and Light It Up was named the Best Thriller of 2018 by Apple Books and nominated for a Barry Award. His latest is The Breaker, the sixth in that award-winning series featuring Peter Ash, the war veteran struggling with PTSD, who travels the U.S. stumbling into mysteries that only a man with his unique skill set can solve. The number one New York Times bestselling author C.J. Box said of the book, Nonstop action at a machine gun pace. If you're not reading Nick Petrie, now's the time to start. 
And this is about how Nick and I discussed his 25-year overnight success. The challenges of running a business and writing a book a year. How to keep the faith. The rituals and routines that keep him going. William Gibson's genius and more. Stay calm and write on. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. Yes, we are back on The Writer Files. I am thrilled today to be joined by special guest and best-selling author, Nick Petrie. How are you today, Nick? I'm great, thanks. How's your day going? You know, I'm surviving here in the... uh, (laughs) The wilds of Denver, Colorado. Actually, it's not wilderness at all. I'm right in the middle of the city. Um, but uh, yeah, how are you surviving this very um, awkward time in history? Uh, it sure is awkward, isn't it? Uh, you know, I uh, I have a whole suite of things that I do to keep my sanity. Uh, you, know, you know, all the things that I, I try to do the things that uh, one is supposed to do. So I try to get some exercise every day. Uh, I try to spend time talking with uh, my sweetie who I live with and with you know friends who I don't live with. Um, I'm on the phone a, a fair amount with my my, my extended family. Uh, I, I, you know, it's it's just all that stuff to to you know try to keep your head straight. Imagine um, we talked a little bit earlier about how the sausage is made over there, and I understand <laughs> you're a little bit of a luddite, but. Uh... Yeah, um, I can't wait to talk about your creative process and the latest installment in um, the Peter Ash series. But um, yeah, let's kind of roll back the clock a little bit as we do with so many renowned authors and just talk about your superhero origin story. Take us back a little bit because I understand it's been a winding road as it is with so many writers. Just uh, yeah, talk about your winding path to best-selling author and, and kind of where you were uh, a decade ago. Well, a, a friend of mine refers to me as the 25 year overnight success. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, and I, I think that's really true. So I, you know, I, I, I got my undergraduate degree in creative writing in American culture, and it's the sort of thing that nobody ever thinks they will use in their daily life. And it's now the thing I do for a living is I, I, I write for a living and I write about American culture as it applies to, uh, this crime series. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I wrote three novels. I couldn't get published. Uh, it took me 25 years to to uh, you know to get to the point where I wrote my first novel called The Drifter, which um, I, I, I had I essentially had given up. I had sort of decided that you know I'm just going to write the book that I want to see and, and I want to read. And, and and I wrote a book about veterans, and uh, I wrote a book where I could. Uh, talk about my rage at the economic crash of, uh, you know, 2008 and, uh, you know, the housing crisis and I, and uh, the greed of the people who had put us there. And I sort of somehow managed to roll that all into a book. And I I hadn't been able to find an agent for my first book. I found a, a not very good agent for my second book. For my third book, I found a really good agent, but she couldn't sell it because, you know, the, the crash happened basically right as I was doing the, the revisions and the, the editor that had expressed interest had, had left her job and publishing was not going to buy anything from some schmo from Milwaukee they'd never met before. <laughs> um, 
you know, so so I just said, all right, okay, fine. I, you know, I, I'm it's not like I'm going to stop writing. This I've been doing this, you know, essentially for myself anyway for the last 25 plus years. And so mm-hmm. I wrote, I, I wrote this book that I, you know, that was I, I just kind of couldn't help myself from writing and. And I finally sent it off to my, that, that book took me five years to write. And I, I finally sent it off to my agent who I hadn't had any contact with since the last book had, had died. And I said, so my name is Nick Petrie and I don't know if you remember me, but I have a new book. And she, she replied within two hours. She said, of course I remember you. I always I felt bad about how that ended up with you. Hmm. And, you know, don't send me the first 50 pages, send me the whole manuscript. Uh, and then two hours later, she called me to say, well, boy, I sure hope, you know, you still think I'm your agent because I can sell the hell out of this book. Yeah. Um, so uh, Putnam bought uh, that book and they bought uh, the next book in a series. I hadn't really planned it as a series, but that's how they saw it. And I, I really like the characters and I, you know, it, it's it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't any more challenging to write this book than it was to write any other book. And they said, well, we want to see the next book in a year. And my wife, who's a great booster and a wonderful human being, she's uh, much more of an optimist than I am. She said, just tell them yes. Just say yes. <laughs> sure. which, is, which is great advice, right? <laughs> uh, so. And, and, and so I said, yeah, sure, I can do that. Uh-huh, right, you bet. Yeah, I, I can do that. Uh, and, and somehow I did. Huh. And, and they, read, uh, they read my draft. And even before I, I got revisions back, they said, yeah, we want two more. Wow. And maybe the fourth one will be a standalone and maybe it won't. So then I, I wrote I wrote the the third in the series. And then when it came time to talk about the fourth book, they said, no, no, these these you're really gaining traction. We want to see another one. And then before I even turned in the fourth one, I had a contract for five, six and seven. And, and that was the contract that actually uh, paid enough for me to. And I've, I've been running a business this whole time. Right. So I've been self-employed as a as a carpenter and a contractor, and then as a, a freelance building inspector. So I was the guy that wow. you hired to tell you what was wrong with your house when you when you bought a house. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I was going kind of crazy writing a book a year and running a business. Um, and and it was it was not good for my marriage. It was not good for my health. <laughs> I, I had I had a teenage son who I was not seeing as much as I wanted to see. And I said, look, I here's the deal. E- either I, I have to go to a book every other year. Cause this is kind of killing me or else you have to pay me enough just to, to, to shutter my own business. And so they finally, you know, that was kind of the agreement we came to. And, uh, you know, that was three years ago now. Amazing. Uh, and, and, uh, it's been an adventure. Yeah. That's really cool. It's a great story. And, you know, obviously it's a, a kind of a testament to just keeping going. I, I think that's the real secret. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's that, is that it, it Writing is not something, I mean, there are a few people who, who seem to come from the womb with the ability to tell a story, the, the ability to put sentences together, but, but I sure didn't, you know, emerge that way. And I think most writers, it, it, it takes a couple of runs. You know, I, I thought there was something wrong with me that I was like a remedial, a remedial guy because I, because it took me, you know, my fourth book to get published. And, and, you know, since I've been in this world a bit, that's actually a much more common story. Um, you know, I, I, I know a woman, it was her 12th book. I mean, talk about persistence. <laughs> yeah, so it's that stamina that's required to kind of maintain the, um, or just keep the faith, I guess. And, yeah, and, that, that is that is my daily mantra, is keep the faith. Yeah, yeah. Because you do have to, it's a ridiculous thing to, to expect that, that, that you have the ability to tell a story, 
you know, that other people, let alone as many people as are reading these books, for God's sake, you know, find to be compelling and, and entertaining to, to keep them turning the pages and showing up to read the next one. It's a ridiculous thing to hope for. Um, but but you kind of have to you kind of have to have that in you. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so, some days I have to sort of shoehorn that in me. Sometimes it's harder to keep the faith than others. Right, right. Uh, talk about the importance of coffee to the, <laughs> to the process. <laughs> uh, co- co- coffee is well, coffee is really the only remaining drug in my life, unfortunately, um, <laughs> and has been for a while. Uh, I, I did go to college, so I'll, maybe I'll just leave it at that. Um, but um, you know, coffee is a stimulant, and it's a mental stimulant, and it's how I start my day. I, you know, my my day begins. I, I I'm in my early fifties, and I I. Uh, I basically did physical labor for, for most of my adult life. Um, so my body hurts all the time. So I wake up and I do some stretching to kind of, you know, kind of loosen things up. Uh, and then I, I also meditate because that really helps with mental focus. It helps to turn down the volume on that inner critic. You know, it's like a drill instructor saying, you know, you maggot, you can't do this. And, (laughs) you know, everybody has that voice. And sometimes it's the voice of your mean grandmother, or sometimes it's your drill instructor, or I I don't know, it's your priest who, you know, thinks you're sinful or whatever, whatever (laughs) form that voice takes. Right. (laughs) Sure. And and then I make some breakfast and and a cup of coffee and I carry the whole thing upstairs to my, to my office. And that's what gets my day starting. And as I you know, as I start to drink that first cup of coffee, the, the world sort of, you know, turns from black and white into color. I like that. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Well, let's talk about uh, the process for the latest, which um, number one New York Times bestselling author CJ Box called Nonstop Action at a Machine Gun Pace. It does suck you in. And Peter Ash, of course, tangles with dangerous enemies and terrifying technology in the newest thriller from uh, bestselling author Nick Petrie. And so talk a little bit about... Um, I mean, you talked some about the kind of the rip from the headline stuff, but talk maybe a little bit about um, how the sixth in in the series differs some from the others. Obviously, it's set in a little bit different setting. There, talk about that. Well, so the the every book in the series is is set in a different place, uh, and I, I'm interested in in place and and place essentially serves as a character for me and every every location you know it is instrumental in the story i end up telling um light it up which is set in colorado it really mm-hmm. kind of ends up being kind of a kind of a western in, yeah. in a certain way um and and in this book i it, it's my first book that takes place in the same city so this is also a milwaukee book but it's a different version of milwaukee 
So the first book is is Milwaukee as a as an economically challenged Rust Belt city that is really suffering from uh, the crash of 2008, 2009, 2010, yeah. and the housing the housing crisis and all of that. Veterans coming home from the surge, and and the Milwaukee of the Breaker is really Milwaukee as a manufacturing town. Uh, Milwaukee's nickname for decades was the machine shop to the world. Milwaukee made the the machines that made things. That, mm. um, and we have this highly skilled uh, workforce of of you know welders and machinists, and, and it's, it's it's really a kind of an amazing city. Um, but manufacturing has changed, and Milwaukee is trying to change along with it. And so I wanted to to kind of look at the world of people who make physical things and people who are inventing things in the physical world. And and that's a different sort of setting than I've, than I've used before, for sure. And this is also a book about, about uh, advanced technology. And it's something that I've always been interested in. And I, there's a little bit of that in uh, my second novel, Burning Bright. But, uh, you know, I was really, uh, I've really been interested in this idea that the big tech companies, you know, there are, you know, a few hundred people who are really making these enormous decisions based on their own personal self-interest or their, their own viewpoint of the world, um, which is really unlike, you know, the, you know, these are billionaires who are making choices for the rest of the world. Um, and I was interested in seeing what that might look like a little more close up and how that might play out in the physical world. So that's really kind of was kind of my entry point to this book and what I was thinking about. Uh, although it doesn't start that way. It starts with, with, uh, you know, our hero, Peter and his girlfriend, June, and Peter's friend Lewis uh, getting coffee outside the Milwaukee public market and watching mm-hmm. uh, a man with a, an assault rifle under his jacket walking into the market. And, and they have to do something about it. Um, as I said, you know, kind of some of that rip from the headline stuff. Um, obviously, it's a very interesting time in history for big tech, which will kind of be more <laughs> more prominent as we move, in, move into 2021 just because of their enormous amount of... Uh, kind of sway on the culture right but um not to detract from the uh, plot of the book no, which is thrilling and of course sucks you in as you. i mentioned yeah <laughs> yeah current events is is a total minefield and uh is also adding to my general anxiety level oh my so, gosh. <laughs> uh you know i i try hard to to really dial down my my news use um I, i'm a lot more on social media now because this book launches today um as we're recording this but you know, I, I try to dial that back, too, because it's yeah. just so easy to fall down that rabbit hole of, you know, doom scrolling and the world is the world is, uh, you know, falling apart. And, and I don't think that's really true, but it's easy to feel that way. And it takes an effort to remind yourself that, you know, that, that uh, you know, we are stronger than we think and that we are capable of solving our problems and, uh, and, all, and that we can all, you know, eventually we will come together and do the right thing. For sure. For sure. Well, talk a little bit about, I mean, kind of in the creative process. As you as you mentioned, um, kind of dialing down the inner critic and and also um, limiting the doom scrolling, which is hard to do right now. Oh yeah, um, for all of us. But yeah, I mean, so many I think famous writers from antiquity have used kind of walking as a method of I don't know. You know, talk some about maybe it's the importance of boredom for creativity or. Um, some about just kind of the creative your creative process. Well, I actually, I, I think both of those are really important. It's it, uh, both both the walking and the boredom. 
One of the things that I find is that when I'm having trouble writing, one of the things is, is when I wake up in the morning, I try to do no podcast, although I'm a giant podcast fan. But I try to do no podcast, no social media, no news, no email, um, really until the end of the day, if I can. And so I, 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 you know, I go through my little morning routine and ritual and I get to my desk. I've actually got an Internet blocker on my computer. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I can't get on the Internet until four o'clock in the afternoon. And I think allowing the mind to wander is really important. And that's a, to me, that's a key piece of my ritual to finding my way back into the book. And I try to get to I try to get to the book as quickly as I can. I, I you know, ideally it would be 15 minutes or 10 minutes. But, you know, unfortunately, I can't quite do it that quickly. I've tried, you know, and, and I actually I use walking a lot as a you know, if I'm if I'm stuck on something. I pull on my boots and I, I go wander and I, and I, you know, if it's in the middle of the day, I'm really kind of actively thinking about how to solve a problem. And I think your brain works differently when you're in motion mm-hmm. uh, than it does when you're, you're parked at your desk. I also often will go for another walk after dinner. And that's when I allow myself to listen to a podcast or to listen to music. And, and I try not to think consciously about the problem, but I try to, I try to sort of say to my subconscious, okay, uh, here's the challenge for tomorrow. So you work at that and I'm going to, I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to listen to, uh, you know, I'm going to listen to Kelton Reed. I'm going to listen to, uh, you know, fresh <laughs> air. I'm going to listen to some, you know, one of my favorite podcasts and, and learn something about the world. Yeah. I love that. It's, um, yeah, you're kind of tapping into that default mode network, which is a, um, a neurobiological um thing right and it's, oh absolutely yeah i mean the creative process is just known as the incubation phase but yeah your brain is absolutely doing that work for you i love that setting setting a conscious um you know making it making it a uh conscious decision to give your brain that background uh noise while you focus on other things is great i think that's why hobbies are so important right uh, yeah, they are and actually that's a problem i'm having because you know i wrote for years and years and writing was my my passion and my hobby. I ran a business, and I, I've been very interested in uh, houses and how houses work. I've renovated a couple of houses with my wife, um, so that's great fun for me. But you know, and writing was always kind of my my secret personal hobby. And when it became my living, uh, hmm. it, I suddenly realized that I don't have any hobbies anymore. And so I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, how to get a little bit more life back. Um, because writing a book a year for, I'm not a super speedy writer. So it's a, it's a big challenge for me to, to get that much work done in a year. And so I'm trying to figure out how to have a little more space in my life for, uh, something else, because I, I I think you're absolutely right. It's important to, to, uh, you know, have, have, have a life for one thing. And, and if all I do is read and write, I mean, these are my favorite things, but, but you, there's, there's gotta be something else. And, And that's another hard thing about the pandemic is I can't, I can't go out and explore the world in the same way mm-hmm. I used to. Yeah, very interesting. Yep. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Yeah, uh, let's turn 
I guess, toward kind of uh, before we wrap up here, um, maybe a couple fun ones. I know you've mentioned some of your favorite authors. You've mentioned Cormac McCarthy, of course, um, one of my favorites, and um, Elmore Leonard. Are, do you have any authors that you're, that you're enjoying right now that are kind of uh, on your nightstand or that you're returning to during the pandemic? Uh, you know, Mark Greeny, uh, who writes the Gray Man series, mm-hmm. um, I, it, usually I, I, I want to read a book. I want to read a series in order. And, and the exception was with Mark, because when I, I met him and we did a we did an event together, I hadn't read his early stuff. So I, I ran into him at, I think, book seven mm-hmm. or book eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been kind of going back and forth with him and, and the uh, which is which is kind of weird. But it's also a, as a writer, it's really interesting to see how another writer assembles that uh, sort of the the path of a series. And and Mark and I kind of do different things. Mark writes these uh, kind of assassin set slash spy books, and they're very kinetic, um, not a huge amount of uh, internal life necessarily, a lot of action. Um, it really it's it's like it's like reading an action movie, essentially. And, and mm-hmm. they're they're so engaging and so entertaining. And so there are very few authors now where I can just lay on the couch for a couple of hours and lose myself in a book because that writer muscle is always on. That's one mm-hmm. of the that's one of the fallout uh, problems of writing full time is it's reading becomes work in a way. Right. So to to find somebody like Mark Graney or Greg Hurwitz, um, who I can I can just fall into it is such a joy and is such a blessing where, you know, they are so good at what they do that I stop, I stop, you know, writing and I just can, I could just be a reader again, which is wonderful. That's cool. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think about what, what are my other regulars? I've been reading more science fiction Oh, because this book has a little bit of a science fiction uh, element sure. to it. Yeah, for sure. And it's easier actually for me to fall into sci-fi because it's, it's, uh, the tropes are different or can be different than with crime fiction. Yeah, yeah. Well, you open with uh, one of my favorite quotes of all time from William Gibson. That's right. <laughs> I yeah, love I, that I, quote. I, I, I reread Neuromancer, his first novel. Oh, and yeah. and I, I, I've read that, I don't know how many times, six or seven probably. I'm a big rereader. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I was so struck at how prescient he was. That book, I think, came out in 84 yep. uh, or even 82. And he's basically imagined our you know, our present day internet, he, he coined the term cyberspace. Right. Uh, I mean, he, he's, he's a brilliant guy. Um, there's also a, a, a wonderful book that's uh, kind of a time travel book uh, by a guy named Tom Sweaterlich huh. um, called The Gone World, which again, the, the prose is beautiful. It's beautifully told. It's a, it's a, it's a twisty plot that, that is, I think just perfectly executed. So if, if you're a sci-fi fan, uh, I would not miss that one. Cool. Look at that one. Um, yeah, I was going to mention just about Neuromancer why, and why it's such a fantastic book. Kind of one of the the uh, bedrocks of this of that genre is that uh, it's also a heist story. Yes. 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 <laughs> it's just crazy to think that he did all that in one. Uh, gosh. Okay. Well, we got to wrap. Uh, I know you don't have a lot of time and you're on virtual tour, um, which uh, must be very interesting. I could pick your brain all day, but I think we'll wrap up with your advice to your fellow scribes here. As I mentioned one more time, um, of course, we'll point at your home base there, nickpetrie.com. I'll drop links to everything in the book. Um, the sixth installment of the Peter Ash 
series is the breaker um and uh yeah congrats on the work man so uh is there anywhere else you want me to point at before we wrap up with your last pearl of wisdom uh well you could find me on twitter and facebook as well um if you want to have a conversation um I don't know, you know, the, the thing I keep coming back to are the, 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 I got so much encouragement as a, as a young new writer. Um, and I still need encouragement today. So my, my advice to writers, whether you're, uh, you know, you're, you haven't been published or, or you've just been published, or I, I had a conversation with a guy who's, who's, he's on his seventh book and he still, uh, is uh, discouraged on a regular basis is don't give up, keep, keep going. Um, and it's, you know, perseverance is all it's just keep showing up. And do a little bit of work and trust yourself and uh, keep the faith. Yeah, man. True words of wisdom, sir. We will let you go. But uh, congrats on all of your successes. And uh, do come back and visit us again. Oh, I'd love to. And thanks so much for the conversation. You had great questions. And uh, I really appreciate this. Thank you. My pleasure. I'll let you go. I know you got to get moving. But um, hopefully we'll wrap again. 11 11 interviews today. Okay. (laughs) Take care, my (laughs) friends. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers out there find us. You can always leave a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm. And you can chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.